you are now tuned in to the Alright Talk Show with me, your host, Shane Trainer, where we talk all things business, health, money, mindset, and everything in between. So crank up the volume, sit back and relax, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Oric Talk Show. I'd like to welcome Serena Badaloo from Luxure Stays, who will be talking about growing an SA, which is serviced accommodation business in a competitive market, maintain a positive outlook on everything, no matter how hard it gets, and going into interiors and just how important this has on the impact of a property. Serena, how are you? Thanks for coming on. It's been um, it's been a long time in the making, I feel. Oh, yes. Hello, Shane. I'm not been doing too bad, to be fair. I've been doing well. Of course, keeping busy and um, just continuing to keep a positive attitude, really, like you said, and just, yeah, kind of not letting too many things get to me and just approaching it in the right way. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about some, some of that stuff because, uh, yeah, like I obviously follow you on, our, on social media and, uh, yeah, you've definitely got uh, a very good positive outlook on life from what I see. So it's um, very much, yeah, looking forward to talk about that and how you maintain that during obviously running your business so yeah um obviously like just just getting started then like give me sort of a quick overview of like who you are your company is and like what you do within the service accommodation space okay so um what i do my name is obviously serena as you don't already know um i kind of focus mainly on being face to face with guests and kind of being at the forefront of everything so talking a lot of people doing a lot of PR and um, kind of being on the face of a lot of social media um, I do specialize a lot really with the kind of design creative design and space and managing the guests and just kind of ensuring that everything's running smoothly within operations as well um, and then with my other company Good Heart Lettings so that's in luxury stays that I do that yeah. in Good Heart Lettings it was kind of the same situation um, except I was managing it self-managing it on my own not for a another company so that was very interesting it was very exciting and um yeah it's definitely taught me a lot about being able to manage a team managing systems and operations and yeah Brilliant. a few things yeah yeah, yeah. i mean how, how long have you been you've been in in this space for the service combination space um so my journey began in 2019 when i attended a samuel leaders crash course in yeah. december and then I acquired my first property in February 2020. And that's when the kind of service accommodation journey began. Yeah. And I feel like sort of that's when it's, uh, well, so 2020. So was that, mm. was that, well, I can't remember. It feels like I lost that year. Yeah, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how did you, how did you, yeah, definitely. And how did you sort of find that when you got into service, service accommodation during that time, obviously when COVID was very much, you know, uh, happening well I think uh, to begin with I was a little bit kind of frightful but um, at the same time I knew there was a lot of opportunity because a lot of landlords were worried about people not paying rent because obviously some people were getting made redundant or some people were being put on furlough so I feel like it was a really great opportunity to kind of go into that market and to kind of explore it and to see what was kind of happening. And that's where I was able to kind of get that opportunity just by putting myself out there, really believing in what what I was going to be adding value to with these landlords and just being able to provide as much as I possibly could during that time. Yeah, definitely. And did you did you find out that obviously the landlords that you approached um 
maybe obviously even ones through agents that because they they were probably scared themselves about like what mm. you said the rent were they like more receptible to to take you on because I guess you have to give them sort of like a guaranteed lease for an X yeah. amount of years definitely um at the beginning I did really struggle with reaching out to estate agents so I did a lot better by contacting directly through Facebook or open rent or Gumtree um and that's how I acquired the first one through Facebook and um he was quite you know just kind of tired of managing it himself so he was more so inclined to just have someone to take it on so he didn't have to worry about anything no stress everything like that so yeah it did really work out in my favor and his favor as well brilliant and have you are you still managing that one today so no I did let go because I kind of got imposter syndrome at the time um everything was getting a little bit overwhelming and I was like I don't know if I want to do this um and you know shortly after I stepped out I was like what have I done because I just felt so bored and I just thought I just need to get back into property again so it didn't take me very long to acquire another property um so I went from a one-bedroom flat to then getting a four-bedroom house so that was a very big project for me um but that was one of my best performing properties it was always sitting at around 85% occupancy minimum so it was really doing well and um the landlord was very happy as well with how it had been done up and the value I'd added to the house as well. Brilliant. Yeah. So what sort of value did you add? Was it like liquor paint, carpet scenario, just sort of the, you've made it look a bit more modern with the furniture? What did you sort of do? So luckily the, the property was already ready. So it was already in a really good um, kind of condition. It was just fully unfurnished. So it just needed someone to have like, you know, creativity to really bring that space to life. And that's what I did, you know, really did invest a lot of money during the time when bounce back loans was going out. I acquired a bounce back loan, invested it, you know, at least £6,000 minimum into furnishing the four bedroom house and um, getting it all up and running for service accommodations. And the landlord was fully aware of what's going on. On. I always kept him informed of what was going on and he was very very happy with the setout of everything Brilliant. I don't lo- yeah. longer have that property unfortunately as during Covid he um, came into some financial um, you know situation and family situation so he just needed to take it back but you know during the time he was happy with everything yeah fair, fair play yeah so at least at least he even though like you said there was a bit of difficulty with himself at least you uh yeah, you left it on good terms and it was no bad, bad blood between yourself and him. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah, Definitely. brilliant. Yeah, so right now in 2023, um, what would you advise newbies going into it? Because obviously, would you feel that from when you first started to where it is now, it's changed in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form? Have you had to adapt from what's going on now to three years ago? Yes, definitely. I think... Um now from three years ago it was I think it was a lot easier to acquire service accommodation especially for the model I was doing which was rent to service accommodation because a lot of people would see it as subletting illegal it would be illegal depending on of course the head lease and uh, what kind of you know mortgage plans would allow for a short-term rental to operate Um, but now it's a lot harder so because the market is quite saturated of a lot of essays, rent to essays happening. But, um, you know, as long as you've got very good kind of like an attitude, but not just the right attitude, but actually being able to ensure that you would go about it the right way, you'd have all your operations in place and you can show that like in writing to whoever that be, the agent, the landlord, developer, Mm. whoever it is, um, then it's a lot better and kind of gives you more ground to stand on whereas a lot of the time because people are 
starting to really nail down, especially estate agents. They're really starting to nail down on people asking for corporate lets. They just say straight no's, um, which is understandable because they've probably been burned in the past. Um, so I would probably like kind of advise anyone getting into property into this sort of strategy anyway, rent to service accommodation to just really know your market. Um, if you can get in touch with direct vendors because estate agencies they are really, really good to work with as well, but they are going to be a lot harder to get past if you don't know what you're doing or if you're kind of new to the service accommodation. So I feel like the best route would be to go down open rent or Gumtree, somewhere direct. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I would probably just advise you to do research before getting into it because um, things can get a little bit rocky, especially if you just jump like head head first and haven't really mm. discovered the market fully, the location, the area, the occupancy, the specs, like everything, because it's got to all be taken into consideration. Um, whereas I just feel like it's only the real kind of skim of the surface that is kind of being displayed and not the whole deep end of what's kind of beneath that. Um, so just to be mindful, really, if you're going to be getting into it. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And some like, honestly amazing tips there and I think like because I, I looked into doing that strategy myself obviously you and I had like a really good call on it um so yeah. and I think the more I looked into it myself I realized it wasn't yeah. for me because I, I I think even though like cash flow can be great it's for me um it can be quite a noisy strategy and don't be wrong I know yeah. there's, there's people that have management companies in place to be for it to mm-hmm. be less noisy um and I'm not an expert I've not done it myself so I can't comment too much but yeah like yeah. would you say it's like yeah cause you, you you very much manage them don't you and you have uh, do you am yeah. I right in saying you have a couple that you have managed you do you get managed or do you manage your own as well as others so we have we've been actually requested by one of our landlords in Cheltenham to manage it for him for, as a service accommodation yeah. and we kind of work on like a percentage basis so whatever they earn we just take 15% because we're just managing it and that's all. Um, and I'd probably advise moving forward to do it that way, um, just personally because the rent to service accommodation model, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because there's nothing wrong with it. But if you don't know the market, you don't know the area, then it can be more of a risk for a landlord, especially if someone's coming in and saying, yeah, corporate lets is a great thing. I can guarantee you rent without doing the full scope and the full research the full due diligence and really looking at every single exit strategy and just how it's going to all be laid out um then like we would rather go like property management wise instead of it being rent renting to um manage it because it's down to the landlord at the end of the day isn't it and what what's best for them and if they can make more money out of it and have someone managing it on their behalf and knowing that they're going to get that like it can fluctuate maybe go up or down but they know that they're going to get a certain amount and it won't go below that then I think that that's a little bit more attractive them know that they're renting out their space and then someone re-renting it out again um yeah I think that's what I think anyway for the strategy itself there's nothing wrong with it but I would definitely recommend either just managing it or buying I personally would want to buy purchase a property and to have it running as a service accommodation unit so then at least I know then it's it's mine and I own it sort of thing and not yeah um yeah because nothing wrong with obviously renting houses property but it can there's just create a bit of a stigma around it and I think because there's different spectrums of people managing service accommodations it's becoming a lot more harder for landlords to trust the companies that might you know are probably going to be more qualified than someone else that's you know maybe not quite sure um it's just kind of becoming a little bit 
a little bit too busy, like said, mm. a little bit too noisy. But um, there are definitely ways to go around it to really make yourself stick out like the sore thumb and to be the one that you know what you're doing, you're confident in what like, and if you've got the results there to show that you know it's going to work, then I think then it definitely can be a really great strategy. Yeah, brilliant. And I think like what you said, I think it, I think I would, if I was to get into this um, service accommodation myself, I think it would be via ownership route. I wouldn't want to do rent to rent personally um, no. or probably take on someone else's property. I'd, yeah. Um, if mm. no, I know that's more of like a business. I don't want personal one doing myself. But yeah, I think yeah. Like I said ownership, it's awesome then because you can always, mm. if service accommodation didn't work, I don't know. You've, you've always route. still got it. You've got it for another route. Um, you know, I don't know. You could maybe turn it into, um, I guess it depends on the building, whether you could turn it to buy to mm. level, it's a big enough building, you could turn it into HMO, I suppose. You've got mm-hmm. multiple exit strategies, whereas if that if it doesn't work on on one that you're managing, you might be tied into a lease. And then it's a little bit dangerous for everyone involved and not just not just the operator, but the landlord, especially. And that's that's why I'm being so honest as well in this this whole thing, because, you know, it's not all sunshine and daisies. But I also want to kind of, um, you know, put it out there that it is something to really think about. And I think it's really important if, if a landlord already does service accommodation, already has a very good idea of how service accommodation works and they've done their own research into it, their own homework then I definitely would encourage them to maybe go for a management company that they know has done their homework as well and would make it work in their favour. But if there's someone that maybe is new and doesn't really know anything about service accommodations but is open to like having a management company, then I would just recommend to really do your research and make sure that you're asking the right questions because I think this is a really big problem is that there's some landlords out there just want a tenant and they'll be like, oh, a company, that's sounds really attractive because it's like they're managing it for me but if it's not done to the point where they really know the whole ins and outs then it could end up they could end up giving it to the wrong company that's just going to treat it like um like a cash cow let's say and not really actually take into consideration all the things to take care of their property and to really nurture it and to really keep that quality and upkeep of it um and that's what I think would probably be the borderline kind of um risk for any landlords out there um but yeah, because I personally, I always like to try and see the wins for the landlord and the wins for anyone that's got the properties that would be wanting either management or, you know, guaranteed rent. I always see the kind of outcomes for them because it's them that's most important. It's their assets at the end of the day. Um, and I know if it was me that owned a property and I was really like a fan of the essay, then I wouldn't want to be just you know, like, oh, they can do that or they can do it. I'd be very, very selective and be like, unless they know what they're doing and they've got a really strong portfolio behind them and they they know what, you know, A to Z, then I would kind of let them go on, um, not like a company that's just kind of new and starting out and wants to just get quick cash in sort of thing because there's just a lot of people out there that's starting to do that now, which is real. It's a bit of a shame, really, but, um, yeah. And do you think these people that are getting into it like from the beginning do you think they're coming from some of these like education courses that like you can be like own a Lamborghini within six months sort of <laughs> that stigma sort of uh, <laughs> yeah you know do you think they're coming from that or do you think it's their mate Dave said that also does service accommodation has one property and has seen it as a cash cow and doesn't care about their their client that who they're managing it for um I've told them about yeah. it do you think it's like do you think it's it's that sort of thing or yeah, what do you think is causing yeah. a lot of the people that that are that tarnishing the industry? I think I do think it is personally those that kind of go to like maybe the one or two day crash courses because 
like I know because I was one of those people but I still treated it very heavily with respect when I first got into it because I was like I don't want this to go wrong I don't want to end up getting the wrong person and and then it completely ruining my relationship with the landlord that put their trust in me to begin with so um I do think it is happening because of a lot of these training programs that are kind of skimming the surface of what a rent to service accommodation is or what a service accommodation is in general. Mm. And then people are taking that with them and running and just kind of saying, I know what I'm doing now. Or it's, you know, kind of a combination of those and just watching a few YouTube videos and saying, I know what I'm doing now, so I'm going to get straight into it. Whereas actually I think it's important to invest if you really want to go full into something I just think it's the best um the best solution to fully invest in that in that until you've mastered it and you can duplicate it and you know kind of make it bigger um because otherwise it's it's gonna get messy you know and I think that's what's happening now like you said a lot of people are tarnishing the SA market because they're not they're not fully involved, they're not fully invested. Um, they've just kind of taken a bit of information that sounds attractive and looks attractive and seems like it's going to get them quick cash in. And then that's what they're running with. And because they're running with that, some companies fall for it and then say, oh, yeah, we'll like that. And then they ruin it, um, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't know what they're doing properly. And it's like a cycle, a really nasty cycle that just keeps happening. And the only reason I feel like I know this so well is because because of all the calls I've been making, I've almost been able to predict what agents are going to say to me and what some landlords are going to say to me and just kind of watching the the, the space and everything that's going on. Yeah, it's just, it is a little bit like, okay, when is this going to kind of come to a bit of a simmer? And um, when are they going to actually start to tie down on the people that aren't doing things properly mm-hmm. and ruining it for the, well, not ruining it, but making it a lot more difficult, yeah, difficult for the ones yeah. that... Mm. really do have really mastered that strategy and have taken all that time and energy and money to invest in making themselves the best version of themselves to make sure that their business performs to the highest ability and then it's kind of just kicking them out of the scene because it's like oh well not kicking them out completely if you know know people then it's okay not everyone knows people to be able to get opportunities like that I think that's the thing, isn't it? You very much came into this from a crash course, but you wanted to obviously make something of yourself, start your own business, be your own boss and take it very seriously where people just see literally like the money side of things go, oh, well, I want to make this money to be rich and blah, blah, blah. And they don't think about the actual business and what's going to be created around it. And actually you're dealing with real people. Um, So no, that's very much so. Like Obviously, yeah, I think it's, I guess, I guess to be fair to the training courses, whether it's Samuel Leeds, Rob Moore, or uh, anyone who does service accommodation, it's it's not mm. so much the trainer's fault. I guess even though they're enticing no. people, that to be fair, they're enticing people into the courses by saying you can be rich. But I guess it, it's person dependent, really. At the end of the day, like obviously you do Samuel yeah. Leeds' training course, which you know is a very mm. controversial controversial property character um but (laughs) you're obviously have have come away from that and made something good Mm. from it of yourself and you'll see you see obviously you and I know each other and I know you are doing things properly so it's uh no it's good it's very much like you said it's uh person dependent but um no brilliant definitely um yeah so just like moving on to some of the um because I know you're a bit of a, a mindset advocate like myself you like you love personal development like the way you think about things and um doing things like doing things that make you happy and and starting your day right and that sort of thing so talk me talk to me a little bit about where your mindset is at um I guess how you get into the right frame of mind or or just ad hoc however you want to talk about mindset like yeah 
Um, yeah, I think, uh, do you know what, now that I look back on it and I think I've always been a very positive person, but, um, I definitely would say that from the years, when I look back to where, where I am now to where I was like maybe five years ago, my mindset has really grown on me. Um, I used to kind of have an app on my phone, which I don't actually have on my app anymore, but, um, it was a motivational app every single day. I used to look at the quotes, they used to pop up on my phone and I used to read them every single day. And it was always something different, but it was always something very positive and very powerful. And, um, whenever I've always like had a lot of people tell me like, why are you so happy? And I always thought, I don't know, like just just because there's nothing really for me to be sad about. Like, Would you say back to them, why why are you so sad? (laughs) Yeah. I said, well, I said, why aren't you happy? You should be happy. There's nothing to be sad about. You know, thinking, you know, we're still, still breathing and still alive and the chance to, you know, make an impact. And I think that's a really big thing for me is that every chance I am still waking I've still got a chance to really make something of that day and to make that impact and to meet that new person and to make that new connection and just like, all the opportunities that come like every single day is that it's just kind of seeing all the opportunities taking each hour of the day to really like appreciate it I think for me personally as well like I did really really have to work on my um came a lot of confidence as well with the mindset because my mindset was really great, but because my confidence wasn't fully there, it sometimes used to try and come into like battle with me. But I think uh, the way I think about mindset, you're generally at battle with yourself at all times. And it's only you that's going to change your perspective and your way of thinking and how you kind of perceive things. Um, You know, people can definitely have an impact and people can definitely have an influence. Um, But it's all down to, of course, yourself to make sure that that, that kind of, kind of ingrains itself in you in you um and I always I always do my best to like speak as positive as I can about anything so like if I'm with my friends or if I hear like something negative going on I'll just kind of jump in and say something positive or kind of have a very positive um response back to their negative way of thinking which they don't mean to it's not intentional it happens uh, you know we're not all perfect but whenever I can and wherever I can if I am thinking anything negative I'm like why am I thinking that and then I have to acknowledge it and then I'm like okay turn it into a positive because I don't need to be thinking about that um and yeah just kind of being able to surround yourself with people that are going to support you um I also do follow as well a lot of pages that are just all mindset motivation all about wealth and that definitely has helped drive me in the right direction and I've done a lot of Grant Cardone's training as well and he is very um very very inspirational guy and I think that's also all these trainings that I've invested in and all the kind of self-education like you said reading books and I've actually read a book on mindset so that really helped me channel in like um it was called mindset I can't remember the name of the author Dr. Carol something was it Um, yeah yeah that's the one with the blue and the white that's that's a really good good book. book brilliant yeah really good and then I also read emotional intelligence because I used to have a really bad anger problem when I was younger um and it's crazy how much patience I've got now just being able to working with people all the time like my patience levels are like up there some people say Serena you you are very very patient and I said well I'd rather be patient because it's just you know patience is a virtue sort of thing they say so I'm just trying to become the best version of myself and I think that's got a lot to do with my mindset because if you haven't got the right mindset it's going to be hard to kind of meet that best version of yourself I believe. Mm. Yeah you've pretty much summed up um, that absolutely perfectly because I think I've resonated with everything you've said there like and especially um, 
I read a quote last year in um in uh, one of these uh books that I read. It was sort of the art of being excellent. I think by Andy Cope, I think it was, oh, and that was it's a really short hmm. book, but it's like it's perfect, it's brilliant. It's 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 got it's quite witty as well. And um, there was a quote in there, and I live by this quote now. Um, when I when I remember it to be fair, and it was like, um, ten percent uh ten percent of life is uh something like what happens yes. so 90% of life is how you react to that te- 10% that is so true and it's so mm-hmm. true like and obviously like external factors like how people influence you like you know can I can like you know if they're someone's angry with you for some reason or like someone in the yeah. shops like barges past you you can react to that like that that's that 10% is you being barged into that 90% mm-hmm. of life is how you react you can either react just by ignoring it or saying a quirky joke and laughing it or you can turn <laughs> around and punch them which I wouldn't ever advise but no. like, and that, that, that whole that next scenario can change definitively by how you react to it and like that's yeah, such a big mind yeah. that quote was switched my mindset complete well not completely because I was I, I don't react to stuff like that anyway but like yeah, and I was just like yeah it's made me more in tune like mm. you know for anyone I get cut up on the road I'm not a road rage driver anyway but even more so now <laughs> I just I am <laughs> you still yeah yeah, I have a little bit yeah. <laughs> but I just try and like I have definitely calmed down like from where I used to be on with my road rage on the road to where I am now I'm definitely a lot more mellow and I'm more You're like working okay on it. yeah 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 working on it sometimes I have the odd little <laughs> why but you know I just try and kind of keep a cool mind and say it's fine um but no definitely <laughs> mindset is it's it's a challenge it's an everyday challenge I think mindset it because it it doesn't just come overnight like we we all know this and I think you have to be willing to to make that change in your mind to know that you only want best for yourself because I think it's very easy for um this is something that that's it's very easy for people to blame others so they don't feel that they're not taking responsibility because it's like well actually it's not my fault and I've felt that a lot sometimes in certain scenarios um and that's that's obviously a really big thing because yeah. I used to do that all the time I used to put the blame on someone else and then when I finally realized it's actually me that's when I realized okay I always make sure as well I think this is a really big um kind of tip advice for anyone for mindset is um being able to hold yourself accountable no matter what the situation even if it wasn't your fault being able to hold yourself accountable in that situation is going to help you to become a bigger better person because you're starting to analyze things very differently and starting to take responsibility for everything that you're doing, wherever it is you are, whatever conversations you come into. Um, that's what I always do. Even if it's not my fault, I literally always say, I'm taking accountability because I was in this situation. So mm. I need to do what I can to get to make it an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's another key learning, I think, is uh take responsibility mm. more. And um, you just feel so much more empowered, in my opinion, when you take responsibility. That's brilliant. Definitely. Yeah, no, brilliant. No, that, that's that's been ace. Um, no, yeah, I've got I've got three very like quick fire. This is like a closing tradition of the show. It's like three quick fire rapid questions. Like trying to think about oh. them too much, but uh, well, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So you'll you'll like them. You'll like them. So right, <laughs> question number one: favorite dance move? Go. Oh, wait, do I have to actually do it on the camera or like, do yeah, I just... Yeah. No, 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 like, you don't have to dance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just have um, to tell me what your move is. 
Oh, I think probably the wave, like like a wave, wave. like kind of move, wave, just kind of like a body roll. That's it, a body, body roll. <laughs> cool, nice. That's it. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, I'll just, I just I suggest suggest YouTube it. Yeah, <laughs> you're thinking what's that? Well, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to do it on the camera, but you can't really see me. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, yeah, we'll get them to follow your Instagram page after, so they can see you do pops and moves. Um, <laughs> so second second question: favorite ice cream flavors combined so two favorite ice cream flavors you like together mm, i'd say vanilla and chocolate nice standard keeping it simple like it <laughs> cool question three what's the worst movie you've ever seen oh god <laughs> i don't even really watch movies um oh I don't think I've even watched a bad movie. I don't even know if I can answer that. I have to you really. Just choose, think. You just choose to watch good ones. You <laughs> <laughs> choose to watch the good ones. I don't think I've even watched. Like, have I watched a bad movie? I don't think I have. I'm oh, going to just you, guess. I'm going to guess. Go on, then. Um, let's say. Um, oh God, <laughs> this is terrible. I'd say maybe the new, the new. What do you call it? The new. Um, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Avatar. Oh, the new Mowgli. That's it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched that's that. It. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cool. Yeah. Was yeah. A big fan. Nice quick fire answers. Like it. So, um, yeah. How can people get in touch with you then? Um. So most active, really, on my Instagram. I would say. Well, actually, Instagram is somewhere where I'm most like active in terms of posting socials and stuff. But WhatsApp is probably my best form of contact because uh, I spend most of a lot of my time on there through group chats and stuff so yeah if you want to message me on Instagram not message me on Instagram then my Instagram is serena.latoya.marie underscore and it's a bit long and then my number is 0781425410 Cool. Oh, we'll get that? it. We'll get it in the chat notes anyway. If people want to reach out to you, cool. Then, no, that that's been um yeah. Finally got you on the show. It's been a, a an awesome podcast episode and uh, yeah, a lot of value there and uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks for uh, coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, Shane. I do really appreciate it, and it's been a long time coming, but I'm very very excited and very happy that I could be here. Brilliant. Can't wait to get it out. Right, that has been your talk show. We'll be back soon with another episode. Ciao for now.